Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today, Todd Henry writes books, speaks internationally on creativity, productivity, passion for work, and helps people and teams generate brilliant ideas. In short, Todd refers to himself as an arms dealer for the creative revolution. I hope we'll hear a little bit about that. Todd has written several books, including the the, excuse me, the, Ac- the Accidental Creative, Die Empty, Louder Than Words, and his newest book, Herding Tigers, Be the Leader That Creative People Need. Todd is also a speaker, a trainer, and a podcaster. Hello, Todd. Ed, it's great to be here. Fantastic having you today. And I messed up your book title. It's called The Accidental Creative, and you've written a, a number of books. Tell us about your most recent one. Yeah, so so the latest book, until October, I have a new book coming out in October called The Motivation Code, but my latest book is um, called Herding Tigers. And you know, it's funny because I spent most of my career working with creative teams, creative professionals, helping people generate better ideas more consistently and be what I call prolific, brilliant, and healthy all at the same time. And people would pull me aside at events or, you know, where I was where I was doing my work and they would say, hey, all of this is great. This is wonderful. But let me tell you about my leader. <laughs> let me tell you about the person I have to work with. Can you please write a book? And if you do, I will slip it on their desk and they won't know where it came from. Uh, and so I spent a couple of years uh, writing a book that was published in 2018 called Herding Tigers. And really the the premise of the book was um, you know, people often say that leading highly talented creative people is like herding cats. And my premise is, no, it's more like herding tigers. These are powerful, majestic, creative beings that have to be intentionally and strategically led. Um, and so that was that was really the, the genesis of the book is how do you keep your team aligned, focused and energized around the the work that matters most to the organization? Well, I love that. And I do hear a lot about herding cats. And it is a common workplace experience for many people where they feel that there are a number of people involved all going in different directions. And I loved how you have converted it to uh, herding tigers. How about your next book? Tell us a little bit about what we should be expecting this fall. Yeah, I'm very excited for this. And so I've spent the last five years working with four PhDs who in turn had been working with over 50 years of research uh, looking into 
over a million achievement stories, the largest repository of achievement stories in the history of humankind, by the way. Um, and what we've discovered is that there are 27 themes of motivation that live inside of six families. And so we've developed an assessment to help people identify what their unique motivation code is. Uh, over 40,000 people have been through this assessment. And it's really changed a lot of lives. So I'm excited to finally have this work out in the world and, and kind of go public with it in October. Uh, again, it's called The Motivation Code. And it really is a brand new perspective on how we can be more engaged, experience more uh, more sort of deep uh, engagement and flow in the midst of our work and how managers can more effectively motivate the people on their team instead of just relying on the old standards of you know pay and prestige and titles and flexibility and some of the things that we do that are blunt instruments. But this is going to help people understand what uniquely motivates each person. Wow, it sounds fantastic. And so I'm a little bit selfishly curious, is something like bravery or courage or grit or resilience, one of the motivators? So there are several motivational themes that certainly relate to um, the topic of bravery. Um, I would say any of the motivational themes can spawn bravery, right? Um, how we're motivated deep down, the, the deeper code that, that animates us and motivates us um, still has to play out in acts of bravery. You know, it still has to be a choice where we choose to do the right thing, even at the potential of our own discomfort or our own loss in order to be able to, to create value in the world. So any of the motivational themes can generate bravery, uh, but I would say a couple of them specifically, probably like overcome, for example, is one of the themes where somebody is driven to overcome some kind of obstacle or some kind of oppositional force, where you could easily see how that would play out, right? In terms of bravery, because you know you have to basically step out and oppose something, which isn't always the most comfortable thing. Uh, but, but other ways that motivation might apply to bravery might be a little more subtle, but still very present. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to reading it this fall. So I jumped right to your books because I was very curious about some of the works that you have produced. I did, I think, a decent job introducing you, but I would love for you to take a couple of minutes, Todd, to tell our listeners a little bit more about your background and how you have come to do what you do today. Yeah. So um, I studied marketing in school. Uh, this is, wow, 30 years ago now. Studied <laughs> marketing in college. And um, then like any good marketing major, I did my tour of duty in the music business uh, and uh, experienced what I now call my misguided 20s. I say that for my kids' benefit. And uh, you know, did some time in the music business. And then after that, uh, ended up as a creative director for an organization for about a decade where I had to figure out how to wrangle dozens of people and help them do great work every day and, and produce uh, good work on behalf of the organization. And uh, right around halfway through my tenure there, this is in 2005, um, I started a podcast called The Accidental Creative. And the idea was you know, to help introduce some conversations about creativity under pressure in the marketplace, because we all have to be creative. We all have to solve problems in the marketplace. And so I started this podcast kind of as a little sideline lark just for fun and forgot about it. And by the way, again, this is 2005, right? So this mm -hmm. is, kind of, I was thinking I'm so late to this podcast thing, right? <laughs> was, which is hilarious in retrospect. But um, anyway, I kind of forgot about it. And I came back to it a few months later when I was looking for other podcasts to listen to. And I found out there were thousands of people listening to this podcast. And I had no idea that this was happening. Um, and so it kind of became a thing. And then shortly thereafter, I ended up um, 
getting the opportunity to speak at some some fun events and was offered a, a book deal with Penguin Random House or just Penguin at the time. Um, and that was the source of the accidental creative and then um, had launched my business in the midst of all of this, basically coaching and training teams how to be prolific, brilliant and healthy. And so really for the last 12 years, that's what I've been doing. I've been traveling the world and um, writing books and, and helping teams do the best work of their lives. Wow, fantastic. Well, I love the story of your podcast and you came to my attention because a colleague had shared with me some articles or blogs you had written about bravery and specifically bravery in the workplace, which I'd like to talk a little bit about before we get there. I'm just curious, how did the idea or what generated the desire to create a series of articles about bravery in the workplace? So I think if there's one thing that we really need more than anything right now, it is bravery. In, in the workplace, why I loved the, you know the topic of your of your podcast because I think that um, bravery is as I define it is when someone engages in right action at the potential expense of their own comfort when they choose to do the right thing even though it's the uncomfortable thing. I think that we live in a world today in a marketplace today that craves comfort and that almost worships comfort. Um, but the reality is people who do hard things have to forego comfort in order to do those hard things, which is by definition, it's bravery. You know, you're stepping out into the unknown, you're stepping out into uncertainty and you're choosing to engage in behavior that might cost you something or might fail as Seth Godin would say. Um, and that's okay. That's fine. Um, because you recognize it's still the right thing to do. And so I, I really, I think in the midst of of this time, I had been thinking about this topic for quite a while. I'd given a couple of speeches about it. I even put together like a, a possible, you know, possible book around this topic. Um, but I just thought, you know what, I'm not going to wait to write this book. I just need to get it out there because I feel like this could probably be a topic that would be really valuable and helpful to people at this point in time. So the, really the genesis was, I just wanted to put a finger in people's chest and say, are you being brave or are you being a coward right now? Uh, which those are fighting words, you know, as you know, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I think that's a question we all have to really embrace. Yeah. Different people have different words for bravery in the workplace and they've used them on past podcasts, words like courage, grit, resilience, right? Bravery. I think everybody has a different experience with how bravery has impacted them. But what I think is common and why this seems to be such a resilient topic is because everybody has experienced it, no matter what they call it. Yeah, that that is very true. Uh, you know, I, there, and there's something, and I'm sure you've talked about this many times on the show. There's something about bravery that just resonates deeply within us. It, it you know, think about the stories that we tell. Think about the heroes that we lift up in our culture. Um, you know, the, we don't celebrate cowards in our culture. We don't celebrate people who are only in it for themselves. You know, that's not who we celebrate. We celebrate the person who sacrifices something of value for the sake of somebody else's benefit. Um, you know, the, the other kind of person might get ahead for a while, but their story isn't going to be told for very long because that doesn't resonate with us. So I think it's one of those things where when we see bravery, something primal in us deeply resonates and we recognize there's something true about this. I can't, I can't put words to it, but there's something that's true about this, something that feels deeply um, sympathetic with the way things are supposed to be. Uh, and so I think that's that's why... A, bravery is so celebrated, but B, it's also, I think, why sometimes it, it can be very rare in our in our culture because comfort is a powerful and seductive force. Well, I loved your opening comments about the world we live in and the 
desire for comfort we all have because like you, I live in this world and, you know, uh, I work hard and I desire comfort. And so, right, I want to be comfortable in what I do and what I say and who I have relationships with. And bravery tends to create discomfort, which if we all follow the path of least resistance is something we want to avoid. Is that something that you've seen or have experienced as you navigated the world or have worked with clients? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's very important to distinguish between comfort and the love of comfort, right? I wrote in my book, Die Empty, the love of comfort is often the enemy of greatness. And I believe that's true. It's not comfort itself. There's nothing wrong with comfort as a byproduct, but comfort as a pursuit Comfort as the overriding goal, that's what can be dangerous for us because the moment we become comfortable, we begin to settle in. And the moment we, become, we begin to settle in, we become mediocre. And that word mediocre comes from two words, medius, meaning middle, and ochrus, meaning rugged mountain. So to be mediocre means to stop halfway up a rugged mountain, to stop halfway to your objective. And so when that happens, when we settle into comfort, when we settle into mediocrity, it means that we're, by definition, not choosing the brave choice. We're choosing to do what protects us at the expense of other people. And, or, and, and in this sense, it would be at the expense of sharing what it is we have to share with the rest of the world or making a decision that's the best thing for other people because it's not comfortable for us to do so. Um, and so I think that's, that's the distinction we need to make is the distinction between comfort, which is fine, and the love of comfort or the pursuit of comfort as a primary goal, which is going to lead us down dark paths. Right. Right. Well, I think that's an excellent perspective that our listeners can digest for a while. I'd love to talk a little bit, Todd, about your article. And again, this is what brought me to your attention. I loved your article, and I think it was in the series of four segments. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the key takeaways or observations that you found that would be great for our listeners to consider? Yeah. So the, the one thing that really, I guess the core idea behind what I was trying to communicate is that bravery exists when there are two key elements present. The first element that has to be present is perceived agency, meaning that we believe that we have the ability to bring about a better possible future, right? Um, the second thing that has to be present is optimism, which is that we believe there is a better possible future. Right? So we, we can see something better that can exist because we acted. And we also have to believe that we have agency to act. When those two things exist, there's the, the, there is the environment, there's sort of the fertile field where bra bravery can sprout. When we lack optimism, even though we have agency, we begin to feel like things are futile, right? Like, well, yeah, I think there's a I have agency to act, but there's no better possible future anyway, you know, which is, I think, where a lot of people live, even right now. When we have a degree of optimism, but we don't have the agency that we believe we need in order to act, we can begin to play the victim. I see a better possible future, but there's nothing I can do about it, right? It just right. feels yeah. hopeless to us. So we need to have that sense of agency and that sense of optimism. So bravery exists in environments where we see a better possible future, and we believe we have the ability to bring that about. That's really the, the guiding framework for all of these things I was writing about. So bravery is doing the right thing as best you know it, even when it's the uncomfortable thing. That's what we talked about. Bravery is a choice, not a trait. And this is something that I think is often a misunderstanding people have. People think bravery is something that's either baked into you or it's not. And it's not. Bravery is something we choose. It's not It's not something that's just baked in. Now, there might be people who are able to disconnect that comfort instinct, you know, more 
readily than other people, but any of us can choose to be brave. You know, bravery is always empathetic. Bravery is always about the other person. Bravery is action in spite of fear. It's not that we don't feel fear. It's that we do the right thing, even though we fear, feel fearful. Bravery is the willingness to fail when necessary, right? Now, I want to be careful here when I talk about bravery that I, people don't think that I'm just talking about, uh, you know, having a devil may care attitude, just taking leaps you know, of faith. That, that's not what I'm talking about. Bravery is not stupid risk. Bravery counts. Bravery means you count the cost, but you decide to act anyway, because the cost of inaction is greater than the cost of action, right? You know, you're going to bear that price. Um, bravery is not bravado. That's another thing in our culture. We think that, oh, well, the loudest person is the most brave person, the person who talks about it. The most. No, bravery is not bravado. Bravery is action. Bravery is doing the right thing in the moment, not talking about doing the right thing in the moment. Um, bravery, by the way, is not about big stuff. We think about storming beaches and invading, you know, like in, in the times of war, like we talk about World War II and the paratroopers who draw. I mean, was that brave? Absolutely. But bravery can also look like having a difficult conversation with a coworker, even though it'd be more comfortable to ignore that behavior. Bravery can also look like as a manager, choosing to not promote someone because you know it's better for their development, even though it would be more comfortable just to go ahead and promote them, even though they're maybe not ready for it, you know, to do that. So these are the kinds of things that are, that have to be exhibited as everyday choices, everyday pieces of action for us in order to be living a brave life, especially in the workplace. Wow. Fantastic overview, Todd. And I captured a couple of ideas that I'd like to go back over for our listeners. Uh, one is this sense of optimism. So uh, a lot of folks think that bravery can occur when, <clears throat> excuse me, the reasons for doing something exceed the reasons for not doing something. That for a while, the reasons for not doing something exceeded the reasons for doing it. And so you either had or created obstacles or reasons for not saying something that needed to be said or doing something that needed to be done. And then over time or due to certain events, the reasons for saying something exceed the reasons for not. And at that point, maybe that is where optimism kicks in, where you feel like there's a better outcome or a better direction that people can go in and feel good about moving forward. Is that the, the type of optimism that you're talking about? Yeah, I think I think really what you have to be able to see is that if I do something, things may be better. Right. So again, let's go back to our example of World War II. You know, nobody wanted to fight that war. Nobody was sitting here in the US thinking, you know what I would love to do? I'd love to I'd love to jump out of an airplane behind enemy lines in France and see if we, you know, no, but there was a recognition that if somebody doesn't do something, there will be no better possible future. But there is a better possible future if we act, if we're brave. Right. And so in the workplace, it could look like um, you know, nobody wants to speak up in this meeting, but I recognize that if nobody speaks up, we're not going to have the idea we need to be able to take to the client next week. So I'm going to be the one who chooses to introduce an idea, even though it might be wrong and it might be a dumb answer and people might laugh at me. I'm going to choose to do that because that's the brave choice. I believe in a better possible future and I believe I have the ability to bring it about. So, uh, you know, I think that we always have reasons not to act. We always do. 
there's there isn't a single person in human history who's created value who hasn't faced that dilemma of should I act or should I not act? And frankly, sometimes it's more brave not to act. Sometimes there there are mo- there could be moments where the the expected thing is for you to act, and you say I'm not going to act is an act of bravery because you you sense that the right thing, the better possible future, is when you don't act versus when you do. Uh, I'm not just going to do what everybody expects me to do. I'm going to do something different. So. You know, I think that we, it's going to be highly situational and it's going to be dependent on our perception of what's going on in the moment. And by the way, you can be brave and still make a bad decision. And, you know, sometimes the, sometimes we make brave decisions that are, that end up being the wrong decision because we miscalculate. It doesn't make it any less brave. It just means that, you know, maybe we didn't have all the information or we just made a bad choice in the moment. Well, we do recognize that bravery does not equal correctness, right? So it doesn't mean every time that you're brave and every time that you want to do something, it's always going to be the right choice or it's always going to have the outcome that you hoped. And so bravery may unfold in ways that you hadn't anticipated. Another point you had mentioned, uh, Todd, is about bravery is about the other person. And I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about what you mean there. Yeah, um, you know, it's not it's not brave to do something to protect yourself. Um, now, I mean, a pure, solely for the purposes of protecting yourself. Now, there's nothing wrong with protecting yourself if you have to do that, but that isn't necessarily bravery. That's survival. Um, you know, bravery is expending yourself on behalf of the other, and the other could be a principle, it could be an ideal, it could be uh, an idea of some sort, it could be a, a you know another person, obviously. Um, but bravery is expending yourself on behalf of something that isn't in your selfish interest to expend yourself on behalf of. Um, now, it doesn't mean you're not going to get a benefit from it. Of course, you might get a benefit from it. But still, um, when you are the primary beneficiary of your act, it's not, by definition, it's not a brave act because you're only doing it for self-preservation. And again, this is something like speaking boldly is not bravery, you know, necessarily. Now it might be, but it's not necessarily bravery. Um, bravery, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example, you know, and uh, and I keep going back to World War II. Sorry, I'm reading a, a book right now. About, so I'm, I'm just, I'm, um, that's sort of on my so brain. So am I. What book are you reading? Uh, I'm reading Citizen Soldiers right now. I'm reading uh-huh. uh, The Splendid and the Vile, which specifically talks about Churchill's efforts to get the U.S. to join World War II when England was threatened by Nazi Germany and the United States, uh, I'm not sure what the right way is to characterize it, but lack of interest is the nicest way of joining in. And uh, anyway, so it's not about that, but it's about England and Germany. But Well, but then, then to that point, you know, it's like Churchill's um, famous statement, America always does the right thing eventually. Right, right exactly. <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking about that, like right now, I've been thinking about that in terms of how we're dealing with coronavirus and some of the things going on. And I'm like, uh, you know, Americans always do the right thing eventually. Unfortunately, <laughs> we have to just kind of wait until they do. But, you know, yeah. for now, Americans will always do the right thing eventually. So That's I just right. keep reminding myself of that. Um, but, you know, uh, to go back to World War II, what bravery looks like from a leadership perspective is the night before the D-Day invasion, Dwight Eisenhower wrote two letters. And most people aren't aware of this, actually. Wrote two letters. The first letter was the one that we're all familiar with, you know, the day of days. And, you know, this is, you know, our our brave soldiers fought valiantly and they've secured the enemy position. And we are now well on our way to defeating the enemy in Europe and all that stuff, right? Uh, amazing, amazing stuff. 
The second letter that most people don't know about was the just in case we fail letter. And the just in case we fail letter said, tonight our men fought bravely on the shores of Normandy. Uh, unfortunately, we failed to secure our objective um, you know, despite their bravery. If there's any blame to be assessed from this entire endeavor, it is to rest with me completely. Eisenhower wrote a letter that said, listen, if we fail, I'm the one to blame. Blame me. Look at me. I take all the blame for this. But when he wrote the letter talking about success, he he praised the bravery of the soldiers. Well, he praised the bravery of the soldiers in both letters, but specifically said, our young men have taken, you know, have exhibited incredible bravery and they've taken hold of the enemy's position. That That is what brave leadership looks like. Brave leadership looks like, listen, I'm going to make a decision. And if it's the wrong decision, guess where the blame rests for that? Me. I am the one who's going to take blame for any decision. That That is bravely – cowardly leadership is I'm going to make a decision. If it doesn't go right, well, somebody else didn't do their job. Well, it's somebody – no. Brave leadership is if I make a decision, then I'm going to take – you know, I might get the credit if things go well, but I'm also willing to take the blame because that's the cost of leadership. And so I think as leaders, we have to look at that in ourselves. We have to really be willing to ask the hard question. If, if I want to lead, most people want to be the leader, but they don't want to lead. If I want to lead, am I willing to assume responsibility, not just when things go well, but also when things go poorly? The last area, Todd, that I wanted to talk about uh, that you had mentioned is how bravery is a choice versus a trait. And as a leadership coach, oftentimes when I work with clients, we talk about choices, right? And there's that old current uh, slogan, right? Make better choices, et cetera. But uh, tell us a little bit more, you know, from your perspective on how bravery is really a choice you make versus just a trait that some people have and they can whip out whenever they need it. Yeah, well, I think it's easy. We always ascribe things that we wish we were to other people as being easy for them. Right. Um, and this, I mean, this happens even in, you know, like, I mean, I've now written five books with Penguin Random House and, you know, I go out and I speak and to crowds, even as large as like 400,000 people at an event last year, you know, it was like a global event with people simulcasting around the world. Um, you know, and so people that's say, well, big, that's a big audience. It's a big audience. Yeah. It's, it was funny. <laughs> well, it's funny because there were 10,000 people in the room, but they were telling me in the pre-event, they were saying, by the way, look at the camera. Cause there are 390,000 people watching in auditoriums <laughs> out there. And I'm thinking like, that's not helping me right now. I'm, right. I'm, I'm a little like I'm worried about the 10,000 in the room, you know, let alone the, anyway. Um, but, you know, we, people say things like, well, it's easy for you or, well, that's easy for, you know, whatever. Like people say things like that. And when they do that, they discount the fact that every single thing that we do, every single act, every single risk, every single piece of value that we put out is a risk. It is. It doesn't matter what you've done before. Every single time you put a piece of value out, it's a choice that you're making to take a risk, to do the brave thing. Um, it's easy just to rest on the stuff you've already done. And so I, I think when we talk about bravery being a choice, not a trait, what I mean by that is we have to choose to move forward, to do brave things, to take risks, to put value into the world, even when it's uncomfortable for us, even when it might fail. Um, I mentioned Seth Godin earlier. I mean, I had a great conversation with him yesterday. We were talking about just this idea that you know, that to make things, we have to engage in everyday, the everyday act of making things, the practice itself, the process, not worry about the outcomes, but focus on the process. And 
Um, and he was making that point. And I think that is what bravery looks like for us at work. Bravery looks like us being willing to embrace the process, to put things out, to put ourselves out there, to express our opinions, to make difficult decisions, to assume accountability for those decisions, even when we know it might cost us something. It's a choice. Nobody, this doesn't come easy to anyone. Todd, we could speak for hours on the topic of bravery. You obviously have done a ton of research on this topic for our listeners as we close off today. You know, is there one message or thought or idea that you'd like to share with them that they could, you know, think about and consider to help them be braver in the workplace? Yeah, I just, uh, well, two things. Number one, if you're a leader of an organization and you're not seeing your team stepping out and making brave choices, I would ask, is there any way that you are in some capacity diminishing their sense of agency? So are you immediately squelching them when they try to act? Are you immediately stepping in and correcting them when they get something wrong? If so, they're going to, they're, they're not going to have a sense of agency to be able to act to, to create a better possible future. So you could be culpable for the fact that there, well, you are, if you're the leader, you're culpable for the fact that there's not brave action. There aren't bold ideas being introduced in the organization, or is there a possibility as a leader that in some, in some way people don't have a vision for a better possible future? Have you not cast for them what a better possible future, a better possible culture, a better possible organization marketplace might look like? So that as a leader, I would do some introspective work on that. Is there any way that I'm diminishing either agency or optimism in my organization? On an individual level, as we've been having this conversation, something has been burning inside of you. <laughs> There's something right now that like you're looking to discount everything I'm saying because of that thing that's inside of you right now that's saying, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Well, what is that thing? What is the thing you know you need to do, but you don't want to do because it's uncomfortable? It might be you need to have a difficult conversation with someone that you've been waiting to have, but it's just not comfortable to do it. So I'm not going to do it. It could be that you need to finally put that idea out into the world. Maybe it's a book, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a, I don't, I don't know what it is, whatever it is that you've been holding on to that thing you've been wanting to do, but you haven't done it, maybe it's time to do it. Maybe it's time that you go to your manager and have that hard conversation about, I think it's time for me to leave. I think it's time for me to go do something else. Or maybe it's time for you to say, you know what? I'm going to go all in on this organization. I'm going to go all in with trying to make the most of my career right here where I am. That can be the brave choice for people who have always bounced from thing to thing to thing. So whatever that is, whatever that act of bravery is that's burning inside of you, I just challenge you to do something this week about it. Not something stupid, not something bold, not something just, you know, not, not an act of bravado, but an act of bravery. Take a measured step in the direction of doing something that's against your own comfort, but you believe is going to create a better possible future. Yeah, we always talk about bravery being respectful, right, and not rash or impetuous, but well thought out and focused on achieving the the bigger goal. Yeah, I, th I think that's right. I think um, your rash action is not necessarily bravery, right? It can be if, right. if there's urgency to act for sure, but um, but you know, it's it's th that's not a precipitating, you know, it's not a prerequisite for bravery. Well, Todd, it has been fantastic chatting with you today. Are there some ways that folks can contact you if they want to continue this conversation or find out what you do uh, as far as services that you provide the marketplace? Yeah, sure. Um, so the best place to go is toddhenry.com, T-O-D-D-H-E-N-R-Y.com. That's my personal site. You can find out more about me there. Uh, also, the Accidental Creative Podcast, going strong since you know 2005, millions and millions of downloads and uh, lots of people who joined the conversation. So that would be a great place to find me as well. 
Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Todd. It was really great speaking with you. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. We hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple, Overcast, CastBox. We are everywhere. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.